Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about how time flies as we age, how scientists are learning more and more about the microbiome within a human body, and the potential for a new phone app that can predict when you might die. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Callie, do you ever feel like your days are getting shorter and shorter as you get older? Uh, I don't know if you know this, Nate, but I'm not aging. My days feel like they last a billion years because I'm immortal. So this uh, sounds like a you problem. Okay. (laughs) But tell me where this is going. All right. Well, it all starts with the idea of time being relative, meaning time clearly exists for everything, but our perception of time only exists for us. So, for example, when you were 10 years old and somebody told you about something that happened a year ago, that probably felt like a million years. But if I were to ask you what you were doing one year ago today... Oh, gosh. Okay, a year ago. That was before COVID, right? (laughs) (laughs) Callie, one year ago, we came onto this podcast. Uh, Before COVID was around three years ago. What? Okay, I don't actually know where my time has gone. So I see what you get about time being relative. (laughs) Yeah, well, there is a deeper, more scientific reason for this phenomenon. It's because our brains are getting older and processing images much more slowly. All right, what do you mean by that? So think about the best days of your life from when you were younger. Maybe you have a memory from when you were a teen, taking a night drive to the Santa Monica Pier and drinking coffee, making jokes, and just having a good time. And you remember every detail, from the flavor of the coffee to the smell of the ocean. To you, that day felt like it lasted forever in the best possible way. Sounds like a really good day. And if we were to do something like that today? Then in a few years, the new day might not be quite as vivid. And it's because the older we get, the slower our memories develop. That's because our nerves and neurons grow as we get older, meaning signals have to travel further through our brains. Plus, those pathways are degrading much like a body does. Oh, okay. And so that's why my days, I mean, sorry, your days Mm. feel quicker? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't view the same amount of images from day to day as we did when we were younger. And if we can't see the same amount of images, we can't retain the memories either. You can see this action with babies who move their eyes around frequently. That's because they're collecting as much information about this brand new world as their brains can handle. Are you saying that a baby is able to enjoy more life than me? Hate to break it to you, but yeah. And there's a bit of a philosophical side note to that thought. As we experience more and more in our lives, we measure the importance of events differently. Like when someone asks us what's new and we say nothing, it's because we've measured most of our experiences as not being interesting or new anymore. But for people who have kids, you get to witness firsthand that every experience is new and exciting. And that's the core of the idea here. Huh, okay, I like this because it seems like the science is there, but also it's more of an existential idea. We tend to think of life like a ticking clock. Eventually time runs out. So to me, it almost sounds like you're saying that the less time we have, we also get less time to do things from day to day. Is that right? Yep. And it all comes back to a piece of advice that a researcher named Christopher Dwyer shared on the subject. He says, don't wish your life away. Basically, don't wait for the next milestone because you might wait a while. And since every day gets shorter in a psychological sense, 
we begin wasting time faster. There is a way around it, though. Is it an anti-aging machine? Tell me it's an anti-aging machine. (laughs) No. Dang it. It's relentless positivity. Be present in the now and find enjoyment in everything you're doing in life. Even if it seems things are bad, find the joy. Because once you get whatever you actually want, it might not be what you wanted. So you may as well enjoy the way you ended up there in the first place. Okay, so it's all about the journey, not the destination, or however that quote goes. Uh, You said you're immortal, right? You'll have time to get it figured out. (laughs) So you might know this, but it was a bit of a surprise to me to learn that the human body is actually a kind of ecosystem or microbiome. Like a terrarium, right? I mean, kind of, but it's a lot more impressive than what you might build to keep a frog in as a pet. Our bodies are filled with either hundreds or thousands of species of microbes, which are microorganisms and usually bacteria. And there's potentially as many as 30 trillion of these combined inside of us. But nobody knows for sure how many. That's why for the first time, scientists have created a synthetic human microbiome to figure out just how much life there is inside of us and what exactly each of their purposes are. Thousands of tiny little things inside me, huh? That sounds like a horror show, honestly. But speaking of horror shows, how exactly do scientists create a synthetic microbiome? By combining 119 species of bacteria naturally found inside a human body to create this microbiome that, might I add, can withstand aggressive pathogens that can cause diseases, meaning that the specific combination they use is powerful enough to repel conditions like E. coli. Researchers started off the experiment by mixing this bacteria together from stool samples and giving it to mice via a kind of broth. The mice were raised in a germ-free environment, so they didn't have a microbiome of their own. What they discovered is that various numbers and combinations of the bacteria can make themselves at home in the mice and can even boost their immune systems. Wow, I'm just going to blow past the stool broth because that sounds disgusting. (laughs) But this seems huge. What will it accomplish in the future? Okay, so don't worry. The broth was just a way to introduce the bacteria to the mice. But in terms of future use, it might be a powerful way to fight the hell out of a lot of diseases. It's already being used to treat life-threatening stomach infections from the bacteria Clostridium difficile. How are they doing that? Stool transplants from a healthy donor. (laughs) Oh, great stool transplants again. (laughs) That's where you take poop from someone and put it inside another person, right? Yeah. As gross as it sounds, the silver lining here is that the synthetic microbiome can help researchers learn about the role of every individual microbe in the human body. As common as this research seems, a lot of our knowledge of the human microbiome is very, very new. New for science or new in general? Both, but mostly in general. Most of what we knew before the early 2000s came from growing a few species in a petri dish. It wasn't until around 2001 or so that scientists managed to fish DNA out of human spit, stool, and skin to create a catalog of species in our bodies. Not only was the list massive, but most of the species were previously unknown. To make things even more confusing, most species didn't coexist in multiple people, meaning there is no one human microbiome. That almost seems like it would make researching the microbiome impossible. But as we've seen time and time again, very little is actually impossible. And I'm guessing that's where the mice come in? Yep. Over time, the microbes introduced to the mice began replicating throughout the mice and taught us some pretty crazy things about how our microbes work. Like what? Well, it not only affects their immune systems. In some experiments, the germ-free mice that received microbiomes from obese people put on more weight than mice who were given microbiomes from average-weighted people. How does that work exactly? 
unfortunately, they have no idea. There's no way to completely manipulate the microbiome in a stool sample, species by species, because again, each microbiome is completely different. And that's where the synthetic microbiome comes in, because it created the most secure ecosystem to research microbes we've ever seen. Okay, great. So what's next? Next, their researchers are running experiments in which they leave out certain microbes from the cocktail making up the synthetic so they can better understand how it works. Specifically, they want to figure out how the microbiome influences obesity. They know part of the answer is that microbes help our intestines absorb fatty elements from our foods. They just don't know which microbes are helping and which are getting in the way. Awesome. I guess in the meantime, those little mice will keep eating those lovely fecal cocktails and the researchers will continue to gather the data. Please never say fecal cocktail ever again. Well, tell the next story about it. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a cliche to say at this point, but there really is an app for everything on your smartphone these days. Whether you're monitoring your steps or your diet or even how many Pokemon there are around you in Pokemon Go, it seems like there is a market for just about anything you can imagine. But even knowing that, I was pretty surprised to find out there might soon be an app that monitors you for only six minutes and then predicts whether you're going to die in the next five years. Okay, listen, I was really ready for a story about Pokemon Go and I was about <laughs> to go ranting about Valor and how great it is, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now I'm worried about my own mortality, Nate. Uh, it's a little grim. How would an app even make that prediction? <laughs> okay, you might remember how we've talked about the biobank in the UK before. Yeah. If anyone doesn't remember. They've been collecting information on the health of middle-aged and senior adults living in the UK for about a decade and a half. So researchers from the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign looked at a biobank study where participants wore motion sensors on their wrists for one week. And within five years of the study, 2% of the participants had died. And that may seem like a lot, but it gave the researchers the idea to monitor their own participants in a study similarly so that they could try to develop an algorithm to determine whether they die in the next five years. Okay, how would an algorithm even figure that out from a smartphone? Like, I know that we've got Fitbits and we've got smartwatches and all of that, but not everybody carries their phone at all times. Well, that's a good point, which is why the algorithm was developed to be used, at least initially, on a wrist sensor. The sensor was able to predict a time of death after the user wore it for just six minutes during walking. All that the participants had to do was keep their sensor on them for that amount of time, and the model would compare itself to data from other participants by determining the user's C-index score. Ah, yes, the famous C-index score. I <laughs> definitely remember what that is. <laughs> no need to feel bad if you don't know because it's not super common knowledge, but a C-index score is a metric commonly used in biostatistics to assess just how accurate someone's heart rate, breathing, etc. are. So a lower score equals a healthier person. If the average C-index score for a person is a 0.72, this is a low enough score for someone to have because it means the person is comfortable with daily physical activity. However, if the C-index score increases to 0.73, that means that the person is at risk of passing away in the next five years. And it carries on to the point where a score of 0.76 is signifying a potential one-year risk of passing away. Those are not big number differences. That's a little nerve-wracking, I'm going to say. Well, I agree that it definitely could be a little weird, but rest assured, this isn't an app that's out there yet telling people when they're going to die. It's just a theory that such an app could happen in the near future. 
And researchers believe that smartphones might actually be more effective than a wrist sensor because you could theoretically do a daily test against a registry that evolves daily. Okay, that's awesome, but there is still one problem with that. Not everybody has a smartphone. We're really lucky with where we live, but that's not going to be the case all over the world. That's true. And like I was saying before, this was a study that took place in the UK, and they have about 92% of the population carrying smartphones. But the researchers believe that for the app to work on a global level, it should be pre-installed on cheap flip phones that have motion sensors. That way, they could be made available for free in territories with low cell phone availability, like parts of sub-Saharan Africa, where, you know, less than 30% of people have a cell phone. Unfortunately, that is just a suggestion, and it's not part of the experiment. But even if an app like this became available only to people who currently have smartphones, it could have a monumental impact on global health. Yeah, global health is going to go down because the app is going to give us all heart attacks when we see a .76 <laughs> score. Uh, hopefully that's not the direction that it goes, and ideally it could have the opposite effect. Depending on what a person is sick with, seeing a higher score could maybe actually be the wake-up call that people with treatable illnesses need to see a doctor and work on bettering themselves. Obviously, it won't apply to everybody, but imagine how many people there are out there who think that they're healthy, but could actually really benefit from being told that they need to get some help by an app saying that they might be in danger. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. As we get older, the days feel shorter, and science, unfortunately, has confirmed this is in fact the case. Our neurons and nerves continue to grow rapidly over the course of our lives, disabling our abilities to see new images and retain memories. So even though life does get shorter as it goes along, it gives us a good excuse to cherish every moment as they come. There are trillions of microorganisms inside of the human body, but scientists truly have no idea how many or what each of them even do. But now that might change with the creation of a synthetic human microbiome, which allows researchers to discover the purposes of as many as 119 different types of bacteria inside of us. Fitbit, Pokemon Go, and an app that can tell you when you're going to die? It's not a new episode of Black Mirror, it's a proposed app from the good people at the University of Illinois who believe that an app could accurately predict whether you're going to die in the next five years based on your lifestyle. The app is still just a theory for now, but we might soon live in a world where we'll know for sure if death is just around the corner. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 